This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, everyone. I'm Becky Robinson. I'm the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence. We're a digital marketing agency. I'm also the author of a book called Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause. And I host a podcast called the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Becky, thank you for being here. I am really excited about this conversation. As you know, this quarter, we're really focused in on marketing strategy, what it is, how to do it, why it's important, all of that good stuff. And I was really excited to come across your book. And it just ties in with filling in another piece of the puzzle when it comes to marketing and strategy and how to get it done. So the title for today's show is How Do You Reach an Expanded Audience? So I think this is kind of the question so many people ask. So to begin with, thank you for being here. And I'm excited to have our conversation today. I am excited to be here too. Thanks, Karen. You're welcome. Okay, so let's talk about that big mysterious question. How do you get started with, you know, a lot of our potential clients come and say, I've got this great referral network, getting a lot of leads basically from past clients. And that just sort of is the little bucket I live in. And I need to get out and get more and get more awareness and all of this stuff that is beyond just the, the people I've worked with and their friends. Sure. Well, I hear that a lot as well, Karen. So people will say to me, well, I've always gotten my business by word of mouth. And what I try to uh, help people think about is the idea between who you are online and who you are offline. And quite often, the reason why people may be struggling to get beyond their own personal networks is because there's a gap between the way people know them you know, in their communities face-to-face and the way they show up online. And so when you think about marketing strategy, one of the things you want to be able to think about is, am I showing up online in the same powerful ways that I'm showing up in real life? And so, you know, quite often that starts with really looking at your website. You know, does your website accurately represent the value that you're bringing to your clients? Does your website help people get to know that you're the type of person that they'd want to work with? And are you providing enough value through your online presence that people may be drawn to you? The other part of that really honestly is being able to mobilize those people who know, like, and trust you already to be able to share your work with others. And I think a gap is if we're not investing in sharing valuable content with online audiences, those people who might be ready to refer us to their friends may not even have the raw materials that that they need. And if we're doing things like writing blog articles that are of use or publishing podcasts or sharing video, we're going to make it much, much easier for people to say, hey, look, you know, I worked with with this firm, you need to check them out. You know, this article might be of help to you. That's super helpful. I wanted to back up and ask you to talk a little bit about when you talk about showing up online, the difference between because you it 
you initially went to just your website. And a lot of people we talk to, especially if it's a younger lawyer, their first thought is social media. And so what is the difference between having your thoughts and your impression and your first your first impression of those potential clients being on social media and or what should the strat how that how should that strategy be different in terms of a website versus social media? Sure. Well, the reason why I focus on a website more than social media is because your website is the place that you own and control. So, you know, as we're recording this, we're kind of coming off this situation where a lot of people have been leaving Twitter. So imagine you're a business owner. If you built your entire online presence on Twitter and then suddenly, you know, Twitter has a new owner and and it's not a popular spot to be, then what you're going to see is that all the influence that you've built there will disintegrate. And so it's really dangerous to put all of your eggs in your social media basket because those platforms will change. You know, I remember a time several years ago, people were all about Google Plus. So if you spent all your energy to fuel Google Plus, well, when it collapsed, it it all was for nothing. And so the reason why I focus on the website is you own and control it. Any content that you put there will always be there. And it's also something that's never going to shift or change. So even LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a a very robust platform. You know, many professionals use that as a very important center to their efforts with their online presence. But even LinkedIn changes the way that you can use their product. And so in general, what I like to coach people to do is to envision social media as a place to find and form new relationships. It's a place to build awareness. It's a place to add value. It is an important part of your marketing strategy, but the goal should always be to get people from that social media channel over to your website. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. I was just spending the last minute trying to remember the name of that platform that became super popular during the pandemic where it was like audio. What was the name of that platform? I can't even remember it right now. Clubhouse. Yes, Clubhouse. Thank you. Um, And that's a bad sign right there when I can't even remember it. And I'm, I'm sure I've already even deleted the app from my phone because it was it's become so useless and out of date. But everyone was so invested in that. And that wasn't that long ago. That was like right in the middle of the pandemic. Well, exactly. And imagine, Car, in a world in which you created a lot of audio content on Clubhouse. And then when it falls out of fashion, where's that content? So even if you're using social media as a means of reaching a new audience, you always want to make sure that your best content is cataloged and captured in a place that you can access it again. Because that content, as we create it, can be used over a long period of time. So if you're a business owner who has a long runway and you're really looking to grow and expand and continue to reach new customers, you know, the content that you're creating today will be a value of you tomorrow, as long as you can access it and repurpose it in different ways to reach a new audience. So, you know, as you think about, you know, not focusing all your energy on social media, you know, you do need both. But as I started to say, you know, social media is a place you want to entice people back to your website. So an analogy I always use, it's kind of like the difference between a friendship with someone who you only ever see at Starbucks because you both go there and what and the difference in the relationship when you actually invite someone into your home, maybe for a barbecue. And so if you can think about the social media channels are Starbucks and your website is like your home, then really what you want to do is people are going to get to know you best when they're at your house. You know, they're going to see how you really are. And th- that's what will cement 
kind of your memorability to them. And of course, when you get people to your website, you want to get them to opt into your email list so that you can stay in touch with them and be in their inbox over time. Okay, so that's that's super helpful. I love the visual of the Starbucks versus your house and how you're going to bring them in. And there's so many analogies we can use to, you know, what your door looks like and, you know, is your house clean or, you know, all of those, all of those like lovely things. But I want to bring it back to reach and this idea of how you expand to this big, bigger audience and get a not just a bigger audience, but then you get that audience to pay attention to you, listen. And so I know you have these four reach commitments. Let's, can you break that down for us and, and tell us what, why they're, those are all important? Sure, I would love to. So the first one is value. And I talked about value already when I talked about you want to show up online with value. And I want to say, this is something new that I've just started to say, value is not only about content. I think that our instinct is to say, oh, well, the content that I'm creating on my topic is what's a value. But I also want to highlight that your connection with your audience is also a value. So value is not only about the content you're creating, it's also about the connections that you're making. So when you think about showing up with value, that's really the first and the baseline commitment. So if you've never been online at all, you need to be able to clearly identify what's the value that I hope to bring to online audiences. You know, I worked with an attorney and she is doing this amazing work. So her expertise is around estate planning for parents of young children. And I started to watch her as she built her online presence and she would share videos and reels and all of that stuff. And the whole purpose is to establish her her unique contribution that her firm is making. So for everyone who's listening, that's a place to start, is really identifying what do I want to be known for? What's my specialty? Where's my unique expertise landing? So the first commitment is show up with value. The second commitment is consistency. And that's a probably the one that's the most challenging for people. And what I want to say is that you have to balance consistency with sustainability. So I don't want anyone who's listening to think that because I'm saying you have to show up with consistently, that means you consistency that you have to show up every day. What you want to do is you want to identify what is a cadence of showing up with value that is sustainable for me and my organization. And then whatever that is, you want to do it consistently. So if you're thinking about starting an email newsletter, for an example, and you've never had an email newsletter, you don't want to start off by saying, I'm going to do an email newsletter every week. Instead, you want to maybe say, we're going to do a quarterly newsletter for our firm. And then you want to get that nailed And then you can consider, would our audience appreciate more frequent? Can we manage it? And then you could increase that. Yeah, you know, whenever I'm looking at some new method or system or some new some new thing that I'm going to add, like, for example, when I looked at starting this podcast, that was where I started in my brain because I'm just kind of an operational, that's the way my brain works in terms of how am I going to execute on this thing? And so how can I show up consistently? I want to do so many episodes at this frequency. So what do I need in order to make that happen? And for me, it was I recognize that my schedule is not does not allow me to do this entirely by myself. So I need a team of people who are going to help me with this the following list of things. And so I went in with my eyes wide open recognizing 
okay, I really, this is important to do this level of consistency, but I'm going to need support in order to make that happen. And a lot of times that's, that's what really needs to happen. If, you know, I can write a newsletter once now, but what about next week when you've got court dates and client calls and all of this other stuff? Is the newsletter really going to happen or is it going to just follow to the bottom of your list? So you need to have some system in place before you kind of get going with that in order to support that level of consistency that you want to have. Well, yes. And so it's not only about the time, but it's also about the budget. Like so for in my organization, when we started our podcast, I think we might have been doing a weekly podcast. And then when I added up the team time and money that it was costing me to do a weekly podcast, we scaled back to biweekly. So consistency is critical. So the third commitment is longevity. And this is one that people don't often want to hear. I think quite often we want to think that our marketing activities will get us results immediately. And it's not the case. Um, I don't know, Karin, if you're a fan like I am of Dory Clark, but Dory Clark wrote a book called The Long Game. Oh, and in that it, one of the good. things mm, It is good. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that she identified is that some people will invest in online marketing for an entire year before they see any results. And if you want to be able to achieve an expert status online, you might have to work five years before you're viewed as an expert. Sorry to jump over you, but depending on the clients, how competitive their market is. We work with some clients in super competitive practice areas in the middle of downtown Chicago. And they're regularly asking, how fast, how fast, how fast? And the realistic view of, of that whole market is you really, if your competitors have been doing this for years and years and they've spent thousands of dollars on this certain type of marketing activity, you shouldn't be able to show up and by next Tuesday, overtake them. So like the realistic expectation of whatever that marketing activity needs to take into account what's already happening and how how much effort it's going to take to, you know, swim with those fish. That's not really a very good analogy, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a long-term investment that's required to get the outcomes that you're looking for. And the final one is one that is quite often unexpected. And the fourth commitment is a commitment to generosity. What I have noticed along my journey is that uh, the people who are building thought leadership online who elevate others or amplify others, you know, quite often they see their own influence grow. And so when I talk about generosity, it's not necessarily necessarily like you have to give a lot of free stuff away because that's not really a very good business plan. But I do want to think about giving like what expertise can I give away? What time can I give away? What experience can I share? What perspective can I share? And the more that I see um, people being generous with their time, energy, ideas, the better off we are. I always say that it's not really great to look at others in your space as competitors. If you have an abundance mentality, quite often you can realize that there's more than enough for everyone. And so that frees you up to support the efforts of others in a much different way. Yeah, I feel like that scarcity mindset that you're kind of referencing really is a strategic problem because that means that you haven't defined your place in the market well enough to know that you have a powerful, unique proposition that is different from your competitors. Because I've found that once we really nail that and we figure out, okay, this is how I'm completely different. This is what I'm offering. Then it's not about price anymore. Then it's not about the competition. And then you get on those calls and talk to people in a really 
really different way too, because then it's not, yeah, I can give you that answer, but my hourly rate is X, or I need to do this. And it's not just constantly trying to make a sale. And, and then you don't come across as super smarmy and sales, salesy too. Sure. So one of the ways I like to think about generosity is really showing up to make sure that you're adding value in every single interaction. And I think that when we focus on that, the results will be there too. Yeah, absolutely. So you also talk about how it's not always about the numbers. What do you mean by that? Well, so I think sometimes people get so focused on, can I create content that will go viral? And they don't really realize, you know, what that means. So, you know, you could have content that would go viral, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have lasting impact. So that kind of goes back to my definition of reach, which is not only about expanding audience, but also about lasting impact. And so if you if you truly want to make a bigger difference or grow your business or expand the audience for the ideas that you have or the business that you have, you have to have both. So it's not enough to just have more numbers. It's not enough to have more eyeballs. What you also need is that lasting impact. So finding a way that as you're exposed to a growing audience, you're building an ongoing connection. So where does that, so we talked about longevity briefly as you were going through the four, the, the four commitments, but how, how, let's dig into that a little bit more so that people can get some like solid examples of how do they combine that, that idea of, I'm assuming generosity comes into play where you're really providing value and, and expertise and being generous, but that, you know, slides right into longevity. What, what other things should people be doing in terms of longevity? Huh, that's a great question. I think that where longevity really comes into play is with taking a long-term view of creating the results that you want. So just like you were saying, your clients might say, like, how fast are we going to get the results? I don't know that there's any kind of express train that you can, in terms of that impact and reach that you want to create. So one of the things to keep in mind is everybody starts somewhere. So when you first get online, and you build a website, you're not going to have traffic immediately. And so you might watch the metrics and maybe at first you have 10 visits or 50 visits or 100 visits or 1000 visits, you know, apart from, you know, either pouring a lot of money on in advertising, or some kind of viral content that you create, it is more of a slow and steady build typically. And so just being able to be patient, to know that whatever you're building is worth waiting for. And then to just determine that you can be present where you are and be grateful for what is, you know, as you know, that it's kind of like, I'm trying to think maybe running. So I'm a a marathon. Yeah, I'm a marathon runner. And I remember, and I'm not going to say how many years ago it was, but when I, when I first started learning how to run, I was 22 years old. And I can still remember the day that I first ran two miles without stopping. And it felt like a major accomplishment, but it took me a long time of like starting and stopping and walking and crying before I could run two miles without stopping. And so just realize that anything worth doing is, is going to take a while. So as it relates to marketing a book, which I think you could also apply to marketing a business, I used to say it's a marathon, not a sprint. So of course, there might be periods when we're marketing our businesses where we go all in and fast for a for a phase, you know, maybe we have a product launch or we're launching a new division or something. We might have a sprint of that. But more often, what we need to do is have like the long term view that a marathon runner has. And, you know, for those of us who are not elite athletes, quite often that means slowing down. 
It means knowing it's like one step at a time, one mile after another. But I want to say that, you know, marketing your business is not even a marathon because there's no finish line. And so it's less about, you know, let's get to the finish line of this marketing initiative, but it's more about, you know, can I commit to these actions daily or weekly or monthly that are going to be building in terms of the reputation of my organization, the expertise that I'm sharing. I have a friend who has a a physical training business and she just passed one year in her business. And she was reflecting on all that she accomplished in that first year. One of the things she did is she filmed 500 videos. Oh my gosh. gosh. Right? Isn't that crazy? crazy. And so like, But when you hear me say she filmed 500 videos, and I bet your listeners might feel that way too, as busy attorneys, you don't have time to film 500 videos. But the only way you're ever going to film 500 videos is to film one. Yes. And then, you know, in two weeks, film another one. And then you're going to get somewhere down the road in a year or two, and you're going to look back and you're going to see, look at this value that I've created that helps people to very quickly see the type of attorney I am and how I can support them. Yeah. And over time, if you do, like you said, try to take that fast track to whatever method you're doing. The other thing I feel like you really miss is what you learn in that process. Because the two big things that I think most people miss in terms of marketing strategy are patience, like you said, number one, and then revising and reviewing and revising. And so taking a look at, okay, we've done the following five things. Two of them were great. And these three, this one was just okay. And then these two we have to get rid of. And if you don't look at that and get rid of those two and then continue to focus on the top two and maybe that third one, you're missing the whole point of how, you know, how you learn and improve over time. So by trying to do that fast track, how can you jump to that final answer if you haven't, you know, gone through the process? I definitely think you discover along the way what's going to work for your unique situation. The other thing I would say, Karin, is like, don't forget to like chase the joy. So I think that in terms of creating like a consistent presence or being sure that our efforts are sustainable, if you're doing something you hate, there's not a chance you're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And it's going to come, it comes across too. People pick up on it too, where you're just kind of a miserable person or unhappy in general. (laughs) So figure out what it is that will fuel your success that you also love doing and then do more of that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So it is time for the book review. So I know you've got a great book to, I, I'm excited about this one, to recommend to our audience today. What, what's the book recommendation you have? Well, it's so funny because you just featured Alan Dibb last week on your show, Karin, and I am so thrilled to recommend Alan's book, The One-Page Marketing Plan, Get New Customers, Make More Money, and Stand Out from the Crowd, because Alan is amazing. And what I think is amazing is that, you know, for busy professionals who are trying to build a firm, um, marketing can feel overwhelming and Alan has distilled it down to one page and the most important things to pay attention to. He is just an all around like smart as heck guy. So I'm thrilled to recommend his book. And if you missed the episode with Alan, be sure to go back and listen to it. Yes. And I was going to say, and he's got this awesome Australian accent. So it's fun to listen to because, you know, it's always fun to hear those different accents and everything. And and aside from all the value and great stuff he has to say, it's such a great episode and a great book. We will link to that on the show page. So 
Also, so Becky, what is one thing that you know that works? Showing up works. And maybe maybe that's too simple. No, it's definitely not. Usually the simple things are the best. Yeah. But what do you mean by showing up? Well, I think it's the conscious choice to enter into a, a, a space with value. But I think actually what I mean more is being yourself and being authentic. So there's a vast difference between the marketing content that you create when you're just going through the motions and the marketing content that you create when you're willing to show up with all of who you are. So the real you. So what I think and what I've seen works is is allowing your unique personality values perspectives to shine through. Yeah. And then to be consistent and do all the follow all the rules, be, you know, get 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 the value, be consistent and be generous and think in terms of the long term plan. I think those are so such critical things. And I, I really think along with patience and the other things we were talking about, people don't think of this in terms of a marketing plan because they they think, okay, we've got social media, we've got email. They think of tactics. They don't think strategy. And it's so important to start with these bigger picture ideas and get those right before you move on to any of those other things. Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Becky Robinson is the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence and the author of the book Reach. We will link to your book, to Alan's book, to your website, all your social media, all the good stuff. We've got all the links on the show page and everything there. Thank you so much for all of this great conversation. This has been so valuable. I I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I loved meeting you and I hope that your audience finds value in the ideas. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.